tonight, tonight I'm, I'm excited to talk about this short, um, mm-hmm. snobby short. Oh, by the way, yeah, we're real snobs. We are. Yes. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, I'm Cicely Joy, and I am joined by Kalina Michelle. Yay. Hi. <laughs> and we're going to just do a snobby short uh, tonight to talk about uh, a very, very popular miniseries on Netflix right now called The Queen's Gambit. It's yes. so funny how... I think it's maybe because right now I'm not working. I don't have any like immediate obligations. So one of the first things I do immediately in the morning is check all my social media. Mm -hmm. And then I check all of my streaming services. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's part of your routine. That's part of my routine. And so like, I literally like, okay. So obviously um, I follow Netflix on all the social media um, I include YouTube and social media now because you can like leave messages yeah. for people and things. So I watch a lot of the trailers and this, w- this trailer came out last month for uh, Queen's Gambit. And at first I was just like, okay, it might be cool to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see. I didn't recognize anyone in particular in the cast. Uh, although the lead uh, actress looked familiar. Yeah, she's been in a lot of stuff, and she's she's really growing, rising in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You could tell. You could tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a very long history with the game of chess, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know how to play chess? Yes and no. Like, I, I know, but I have not really engaged in that actual game in so long that, you know, I don't know, like, strategy and stuff. I know the the where how the pieces move and the mm-hmm. overall concept but i'm definitely i'm i'm definitely not a um, chess player it's just yeah. like i never i never really put the time to really dive into it and that was just that's the only reason why yeah i um it was something that was played a lot in my family mm-hmm. but a lot of people it's, it's same with you like they knew how to play but they didn't play it a lot but yeah. i played it a lot with my dad yeah, um, cool. He taught me the game. And then, oh my gosh. So in high school, they built that um, uh, Starbucks near us on Cascade. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember. And y'all would go and they had the little chess tables, right? Yes. Yes. I was I was starting to become a familiar face in there with those guys. <laughs> I would Every time I would go in there, I'd get my, you know mocha frap whatever caramel macchiato <laughs> yes <me>. real talk <laughs> and i would sit down and i would i suck at it don't get me wrong <laughs> like you i don't know much strategy but i would sit down and i would be like let's go let's play and they'd be like all right young and i have a little one this thing and of course they would you know beat me like within three inches of my life to that game but um <laughs> uh, so i had an interest in this uh, series because of that just because of my history with the game and um, there aren't a lot of I, I haven't looked up the world class champions of chess mm-hmm. but I do know that um, it became one of those weird little rivalries our country had with Russia for quite some time yeah um, you know it was like chess and well, during gymnastics. the cold war yeah, all that. That, I all mean everything things. like we were in competition with Russia for everything and China, but pretty much yeah. it's, it's and it's all because of the Cold War, right? Um, so yeah, this series, interestingly enough, I didn't think it was going to be as popular as it's gotten. Yeah, 
But it was um, it was really good. And I um I didn't really think much about it when I um came across it. It was just from hearing from word of mouth other people that, you know, I kind of was surprised that watched it talk so much about it. So I'm like, okay, let me check this out. And it kind of grabbed me immediately. Like it's I, I can't really say anything wrong about the series. It's just right. It's easy to watch. There's only seven episodes, um, and it's based off of a book. So I like that it, you know, it starts and finish based off of the actual source material, and it's not like I don't think it's coming back for a second season, and it doesn't need to because it's just fine how it is. Um, and I hope they keep it that way, right? But, um, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed it and just binged it maybe in two days or so. Yeah, I um, watched it the day it came out. I watched the whole thing. Oh, nice. Um, and then uh, I didn't know it was based on um, a novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes it that much more interesting to me. Um, yeah. Let, we got to talk about that after we discuss this. I want to talk about um, t- uh, episodic and movie adaptations of novels and what they're yeah, doing yeah. now. But we'll, let's go into this um, series. Let's, okay, so let's give just a, a high level, just, okay, what this is about. <laughs> yeah. And um, so um, this show uh, occurs during, I guess, the Cold War era. I'm guessing it was like 1950s, 1940s, ni- no, 1960s, early 60s, 1960s. Yeah. So 50s and 60s. And um, it's all about a young girl named um, Elizabeth Harmon or Beth, as she calls herself that's orphaned after her mom um, pretty much commits suicide or tries to like kill them both um, Mm -hmm. and in a car accident, but she survives. And um, because she doesn't really know, have a father in her life, she is Mm -hmm. orphaned and goes to the orphanage um, for girls. And while she's there, um, she, and this is all just brief. She learns how to play chess from the janitor and, from the start, he sees that she is special because not only is, does she have this interest, but she really, how she picks up on things and how she envisions moves and stuff are very unlike other people. Mm-hmm. Um, mind you, she's not like a savant from the beginning. She still has to be taught. and But she picks up things very quickly and becomes a very... Um, uh, a, a good challenger for him where, mm. you know, he kind of fosters um, this talent and tries to bring other people in that will take her places or, or expose her to other avenues of chess. Yeah. Um, so at the same time as the, the show is all about her, her growing in her, um, her chess career and trying to basically be the best and, and be, you know, the best, but, at the same time, she's struggling with addiction that started at the time when she was in an orphanage because back then they used to give kids basically tranquilizers to calm them down. Mm-hmm. And eventually laws passed where they stopped doing that, but she had become addicted, uh, which mm-hmm. the show kind of implied that she she probably comes from a family of addiction. I think her mom may have dealt with some addiction as well. And so throughout her career, her young career, because she's very young throughout this whole series, um, you know, she is battling being this this phenomenal chess player and, and needing all of her senses to be on point, but also 
also being still an adolescent and and a drug addict or 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 just a addict because she's also addicted to alcohol and uh, all these other things that you know she's exposed to so Mm -hmm. she she grows up not with without the the typical childhood um because basically her life is chess and she probably grows up fast, like she's growing up around adults a lot in environments mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily suitable for young kids. But you can imagine that she becomes very independent. She's very um, blunt, um, mm-hmm. a little somewhat cold in her interactions with people. But I don't think it's really cold. I think she's just so focused and, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and doesn't let, let a lot of people in, um, especially that may not aligned to her path of you know um where she's trying to go so yeah that's that's the general gist of the show um but i'm sure you want to break down some some aspects of it that maybe captured you or so i want to talk about some uh, first of all i want to talk about the first thing that stood out to me was her relationship with all of the different men in this um in this show. Mm-hmm. Her first, if we're going chronologically, her first real relationship with men generally were, was a very distant father. Um, in, in various flashbacks in the first couple of episodes, we see how her mom, who herself was academically a genius like I think they were alluded to yeah. that she used to be a professor or a PhD or something yeah. like that yeah. and um, over time stressors and things like that caused her to have psychotic breaks mm-hmm. and at first because she was very much you know this you know savant among women this PhD this like independent person she was like I get to raise my child how I want and then as her psychosis started happening she tried to get her father, the girl's father, Beth's father, back into the life, their life. And he, at that point, refused. He was like, I tried before. I've moved on. Wanted. I got a whole nother family. I've moved on. Right. He's like, it's too late. It's too late. And by that time, you know, the tragedy of the um, the uh, suicide attempt occurred. And Beth um, was only around nine at this time. So she's observing it, but not really knowing at that time that that was her father, I think it probably just occurred to her later in life as she, he, she puts the pieces together, but that's her, like you said, her first real exposure to um, men in relationships, really. <laughs> right. And it's almost like, and because her mom ended up killing herself, the, the, um, the shock of that feeling like people are only in your life, they're for, disposable in a way. And they're disposable. They're only there for a particular time. Um, don't get too close to people, blah, blah, blah. And then her next um, important relationship was the relationship she had with the janitor of yeah. this orphanage where she lived. And he's the one, like you said, taught her the chess. But he was also not just, he wasn't, he was more, he was the one, in my opinion, that somewhat even if it was so short fulfilled that father role traditional fatherly role in that they inspire you to greatness yes right yeah and it was just by happenstance that she happened to go in down to the janitor's basement to clean the erasers that she happened to see what he was playing but 
because she automatically had the forethought to be able to play the game. He fostered that in her. And that is a, uh, that is a very parental thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Even though it was very short lived. I think she was there up till her high school years. Yeah. Maybe, maybe about five years or so. Five Five years or so. Cause she ended up getting adopted, but it was, I, I loved seeing that, um, that initial relationship. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, later down the line, there were other people that gave her opportunities, but like she wrote to him later and said, Hey, I don't have money, but I want to get into this tournament. If you can, you know, spare me $50. Yeah. And when I win the money, I'll give it back to you and all this stuff. That was, that, I thought that was great. Cause like, who else would she have asked? Yeah, it's for, like writing know? home for help. <laughs> writing home, right? It was so cute. And then, of course, later in the series, when he had passed, she found out he passed. Oh, that was so that it was oh. the only time she really emoted at all yeah. throughout the whole thing. Because she at that time had been throughout the show very stoic, like you said, very like stone faced. Because not only was that just her personality, you had to uh develop that as a professional chess player. So she was just, you know. And mind you, um, because her other I think after him, the next mm-hmm. kind of quote unquote father figure in her life was her adopted father who basically just was like okay i'm out like i wasn't even right there. which was interesting right yeah so yeah. uh but the fact that she still you know i mean t- still would refer to him as dad or you're my father even though they had no relationship whatsoever other than um legally um mm-hmm. was interesting to me because i was like why when later in the series when she called or when she spoke to him um yeah about the death of her adopted mother and you know she she reminded him like well you're my father you know like the fact that she still kind of there was a responsibility to call him because i guess you know they still maybe were married and Mm -hmm. also like because he is legally her father but at the same time it just was an odd thing because i'm like this man hasn't does not know you you don't know him (laughs) he's had nothing to do with you this whole time I think um, she's, but again, this is a chess player. I think she used that term in the talk with him mm-hmm. to kind of make him feel guilty or whatever. Like, she, everything she did in her life, because this girl was shrewd. She was very calculated from even when she was young, when she when you first saw the beginnings of her addiction, like yeah. trying to get into that pill room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, all these sorts of things. And for her, it was like, I just need to achieve my whole objective in life is just to achieve um you know and this game is a way for me to feel like my life is valid and you know it's it was more of a symbolic thing for her not just because she really liked and enjoyed the game she just was that was her what's what's the word i'm looking for like it's her like that's who she is. Yeah. Her identity, her self-identity yeah, is tied to tied to all of that. And any all the people that pass her way and come her way throughout the these years, for a lot of them, they were almost like a means to an end. Yeah. And there were a select few that and she saw at the end how much more she relied on certain people, but that was beautiful. There were select few. <laughs> it was at the end. It was throughout her life you could see how you know she just used people in a lot of ways well i think it's i don't want to say she used people i think it's kind of what you touched on earlier where she she's learned that she can't depend on having anyone 
in her life for a, a amount of time from mm-hmm. her her mom from her original father from her adoptive father from every every and being adopted period you're like constantly you're you're you can't settle into a place without basically being uplifted and so um from it so every she never allowed herself to get close to people because people were in and out and um what was beautiful at the moment we were talking about near the end where all these people that she has encountered or played or you know have become friends within the circle the chess circle she's in mm-hmm. how they all had her back and they all were there for her when a lot of times when she would go to these competitions and um, she would see some of these grandmasters basically have a crew of people mm. working with them. They will have their own entourage. They will work together. They had people and she never had anyone. The only person no, she, she really had was her adoptive mother who obviously was using her um, mm-hmm. uh, for in, in many ways. And it was kind of this just agreement like, okay, well, I, I provide you with the money for your booze and your pills and mm-hmm because you're a minor you need me to be able to get around and stuff so it was it was more of an agreement in, than anything yeah and they so, had like a weird bestie friendship yeah mother daughter situation yeah and so for the end when basically she was so used to just being alone and trying to handle this on her own but at, at a point where she realized that no one in this chess world really does it alone the greatest mm-hmm. person, the one that she was, um, the Russian guy that she was um, um, playing, he had mm-hmm. an entourage. And the fact yes. that the people that she has encountered came and they stepped up and they were all there for her and, you know, studying um, the game and, and, and studying strategies with her and basically like her her little Scooby crew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was such a beautiful moment because it was like for the first time she could kind of exhale and it wasn't all on her shoulders yeah you know yeah that was a really beautiful moment I remember saying at the end like when I saw that when they were all on the phone with her and Mm -hmm. you know rooting her on and like saying look at this book see what that strategy is and blah 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 um it yeah like you said it was like that moment of revelation like no there's that whole adage, no man is an island. Well, yeah. no woman is either. And just like on a chessboard, the queen can do whatever the queen wants to do move-wise, but she's not alone on that board. Yeah. There are other pieces there, you know, for yeah. her protection and to be able to use those other pieces for the successful strategy of your queen piece. And so I just found it really, really great. Um I, I also want to talk about her relationship with um, her friend from the orphanage. Yes, Jolene. Jolene, her uh, friend. That um, was this a, a yeah. That was yeah, interesting. Young black girl who was also orphaned. Um, pretty much knew what her fate was in life. She's like, it's. I'm pretty much going to be here the rest of my life. People don't want to adopt you know, black children, especially black girls like that, <laughs> and especially teens. So you know, but I'm not. I'm not going to be mad. You know, it is what it is. Um, she, she, that was an interesting choice of friend for her. Yeah. Like you never really expected it. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was going to be a bully type, uh, like antagonist um, relationship, but not that Jolene was necessarily a bad person. It's just how they introduced her is all you heard was her mouth. And then, um, you know, the way she 
befriended Beth very quickly to me. And usually when, when stories or movies do that, it's because like, there's some trickery, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to pretend to be your friend and kind of like, you know, screw you or, or, or make fun of you. So that's not how I thought the setup was going to happen, but that's really upsetting. Uh, That's, that's sad. Yeah, it is um, sad that that's what I'm used to, (laughs) but that's what you're, but see, that's what we do. Usually in movies like this, where girls become friends, one of them tricks the other, or one of them ends up being an enemy. So it's like a frenemy situation from the beginning. So I agree. That is what we're used to when we're having female, a lot of female protagonists Mm -hmm. in these films. He did it completely different in this story. And I'm not sure if the, uh, the book also wrote it like that, but yeah, yeah, me too. But at least in this show, it wasn't that at all. She just happened to be this loud mouth, uh, orphan girl who befriended this quiet girl. And literally that was that. And she was sad to see her go when Beth was adopted. And, um, she came back into her life sometime later uh, to check just on her. When just when she needed her. Just when she needed her. Um, she had grown up to become a successful lawyer, Jolene did. So she was like, I'm good. I went to school. I got this. I got that. And it was good to see these women who made the most out of their life come yeah. together and be friendly in that way. Um, I know that some of people on social media didn't particularly care for Jolene and the fact that she was a black woman and her character seemed to be kind of uh, just two dimensional in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, her from from how they dressed her and how she talked and like she's the sassy black friend. But I think that's that's okay. I, I honestly I didn't have a problem with it. It wasn't offensive. It wasn't, um, you know, her her character wasn't deep because she wasn't supposed to. She was, she was, you know, a secondary character. She's a supporting role. So, well, I find, I like how, you know, we were just describing how, or at least I was describing how I thought their friendship or was going to be like the frenemies. And we still got that in this movie, not, but just not from Jolene and her. We got that from once um, Beth went to school and the other girls and how they treated her. Um, of course, because yes. she was she she dressed different. She was quiet. She was smart. But later on, because she was becoming popular or more so famous, she wasn't popular within the right. school. She, she was, was becoming famous. famous. You know how the girls kind of tried to now like befriend her. But you know, it's always that they're trying to befriend her um, just so they can gossip and talk about her. And you know, yes. be... they made a point in this show to really show the difference between her as a teenage girl and the other teenage girls yes. of the time, because they were talking about boys. They were watching American grant bandstand. They were, you know, they had a whole sorority system or whatever. And she just did not fit that mold. She was very much what, you know, like, she was very much an outsider. What a loner. Was, though, very a loner. much a loner. Um, but as we see, it's almost like it's interesting because we all know a lot of women like that who they get into the girly girly clique and you know, they have their friends and they have their way of doing things. And when they when they get older, they find out and in some ways the grass is greener on the other side. Um mm-hmm. but I don't I 
on one hand, I don't particularly care for shows that vilify girls and women like that. Mm. I think it was necessary for this particular story, but I'm kind of tired of seeing that if a woman, if a, if a young woman chooses to marry and be a housewife, that she's actually miserable. Um, I'm kind of over it. Because, I, yeah, I, I mean, you're married, overall. you're a wife. I mean, you're not miserable. So, like, you see what I'm saying? Like, I get that overall. I do think it was relevant for this show, though, because it's one of those, like, here's this girl that was so perfect, and this is, like, that's the route that everyone in town feels like women or girls should go mm-hmm. um you know like you basically are you just go to school you try to be pretty you're into fashion and music you just you you date and you you marry someone that is well mm-hmm. but that doesn't bring happiness and so it was kind of like the tables were turned because here is now beth who is traveling the world she's famous she's fashionable she's all the stuff that these girls picked on her for mm-hmm. and the, these girls or the queen bee basically is living the her life um living her best life on paper mm-hmm. but you could tell that she's not necessarily happy yeah and but at the same time it felt like this that was like a moment of um of understanding for both of them like when they would come when they saw each other and yeah, they both kind of saw department store. yeah and they both saw that they had liquor and you know the bags of liquor yes um it was kind of like this not like Beth kind of showing her I get it or I understand and the other the other it, it was just this moment of like clarity I think that both both of them had without words or without anything yeah, else. Yeah, because it's rough being a woman, period. Like, yeah. in this society, like, you can, quote, <clears throat> have what other women don't have and vice versa, and you're still, there's still stressors of life, yeah. and there's still some craziness, you know? And um, Beth wasn't the person to, like, you know, shove it in her face, like, now that I'm famous, let which me I'm make glad fun of you. She didn't. It was just more like, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm really glad she <laughs> didn't. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I liked this show. The show was smart. The way it was. they did this series was very smart. I, um, that young man, oh God, I forgot. He's the other guy who was on, um, on the graphics. Uh, yeah, I think so. The one who with the hat. Wore, like the cowboy hat and thing. Yeah, Benny. You talking about someone who has grown. I was like, I remember seeing he's him grown, and stuff. But he still has such a baby face. He does. He's like 30 years old, but he still looks like how he did when he was uh like 12. Like six. Yeah. He was. I was, <laughs> I was like, you're you've been in stuff for a long time and you yes. have not changed. No. He just yeah. got a little facial hair. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. What I what I really loved about this um show um they so her her character to me felt like this modern day superhero almost like like she was such she was so smart and she um she would pick up things well so as she was going through these competitions you just kind of got this confidence that oh she's going to beat them she's going to beat them like mm-hmm. she can't she's undefeated and how she would prove people wrong and but she also was not she wasn't so arrogant that she wouldn't show people that she didn't know stuff. So when someone said something that she didn't know, she would just say, 
no, what's that? You know, yes. like, yeah. no, I don't know what that is. Tell me. And yeah. then that will be it. Like now I know and now I use it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like she had to hide or she had to present herself to be any, anything more than she actually was. And so you get this confidence about her that like, wow, she's going to beat everyone. Mm-hmm. But of course they still show her humbling moments. And of course her dealing with her, her addiction, it will, it would be scary because you know, like, okay, is this going to be, the the competition that is going to break her because you know she's high or she's on this mm-hmm. and and in some ways and this may not really be good to say but I have to say it like earlier on I was kind of like oh girl get your pills you need your pills you can't you you can't mm-hmm. operate without your pills like you're you're kind of enabling her mm-hmm. addiction because you kind of see how how she uses it and um I don't know. I just, I just really liked having this type of character to cheer on and see that even, even in her darkest times, it didn't get like too, too dark where she couldn't recover it. Yeah. You know, and she, and, and embarrass herself and all this other stuff. So, but I, and that is so interesting. You said that about how you were cheering her on to get those pills. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, you need but, your pills. But this think is a big about day. <laughs> think about it. What do we do when, you know, when Superman, would get around kryptonite like no don't get around kryptonite or whatever it is like we're whatever we perceive as the thing that's gonna help that superhero be that that much better you know yeah like we that's part of the cheering on that's part of the gallery right we're like yeah whatever you need in order to win because we're behind you right because we like to see winners yeah but yeah but that is also part of the downfall and part of the the sad stories sometimes yep. of a lot of these celebrities because these celebrities know that we want them to win at quote all at all costs, costs. yeah right? so they you know i i immediately think of um um the lead guy in nirvana what's his name yeah I Kurt think of Cobain. him, Kurt Cobain. I think of Michael Jackson. I think of Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Oh my God. Like I think of all these people who know that there are people that depend on them being their best at all times. Yeah. And we all tend to forget that these people that do superhuman things are still human. human. They're still human yep. in there. And it is rough. And she used those pills initially um, to be able to sleep at night because she had a real traumatic experience. Well, no, it wasn't that. It, was, it wasn't to sleep. Yeah, it was because her friend could... Jolene said, because remember they're giving them pills and Jolene said, here's a tip. Take that pill at night because you'll be able to sleep better. Well, they said that, but the way that it worked for her is like it shut, it, it, it shut her mind in a way where she can focus and she could all well, she yes, did was just focus on chess. So yeah, I don't I know agree. if she that's really where I was slept from it. <laughs> no, but, she didn't and, sleep, but <laughs> she tried that initially. That's why she even tried it. And yeah, when she yeah. did that, she found that she had a whole other side of her mind open up. Well, she didn't try it. She, um, well, no, I see what you're saying. She's trying what Jolene recommended. Yeah. But that was, she was going to take it right then. And Jolene said, check it out. You should actually do it at night because then it will help you sleep because there's some crazy, yeah. you know, stuff happens at night, whatever she was saying. Yeah. And and that's all she thought what was going to happen. She didn't know that this part was going to open her mind to to yeah. be able to 
strategize and think about the game of chess in that way. And once she found that she had a gift for it, she felt that she needed the pills in order to access that part of her brain. And then later when she realized she didn't necessarily need the pills to access that part of her brain, it was too late because at that point she just started depending on it. Well, not just the pills, but other things, alcohol and other stuff, sex. Yeah. And we, and we forget that again, she was a teenager going through a lot of uh, adult situations and without Mm -hmm. proper supervision, you know, like I said, Mm -hmm. her, her adoptive mother, instead of actually telling her, no, you shouldn't do this and that it was just kind of like, like you said, like a best friend relationship. So it was kind of like, well, just bring me along for the ride and have fun. But Mm -hmm. she didn't have like really parental supervision to basically tell her no. And even though like as we're watching the series, you forget that she was she was only like 17 or 16 or 17 while she was, you know, starting to um, enjoy drinking and beers and and other people's companies and and stuff like that. So um, I, I you you forget as you're watching it that she was still just a teenager and teenagers are curious and they explore and they need boundaries, but there was no no one there to really give her boundaries. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm telling you, it's, it's such a good show. In fact, Mm -hmm. um, this is, this is one of those, like, this was a triumph for Netflix in my opinion. They, they come up with a bunch of series all the time, but this one was very, it kept your attention. Yeah. It was just enough episodes. Um, the acting was great. I think the writing was smart. Um, yeah, it, it's a solid show. It yeah. really was. What do you give it rating wise? I definitely give it a large popcorn. Um, like you said, it, ca- it ca- kept my attention and it's something that can easily get redundant and boring. Like Especially with chess. Chess can yeah. be boring. And the fact that they they make it still exciting, even when you were seeing the routine of her just going to competition after competition and it it was becoming predictable, they still can make it exciting and engaging. Mm -hmm. So I I give it a a large popcorn because it definitely is something that I think after, you know, some time when it's not as fresh and stuff, I I wouldn't mind rewatching it. Yeah, I agree. I'll, I'll back that rating. I'll do it a large popcorn as well. Great, great show. Um, good job, Netflix. Good job, showrunners. It was great. <laughs> it really was. I want more. Um, I want more. Yes, Netflix yeah. is doing it. So, how do you oh. feel before we go? We've been adapting. When I say we, I mean like the media industry. Mm-hmm. We've been adapting shows and movies from novels for a long time. Yeah. And when when something is done really well it beg it makes me wonder it makes me wonder if i should even go back and read the book yeah um because i don't want to mess up the visuals that yeah. were that were interpreted and brought that i actually enjoyed yeah and <laughs> i it's almost like i don't want my own imagination to mess it up <laughs> you know you know i i feel you um i personally don't like doing it backwards. I don't like watching a movie and then trying to read the book. 
Um, I prefer if, you know, if I know that there is um, a series or books that of something that I'm really interested in, then I may hold off on watching the movie until I read the books. And the reason being, um, I would say Harry Potter was a good example because I read the books before the movies came out. Mm -hmm. But as you know, as the movies were coming out, they were still writing the books. And so I was already exposed to the movie world of Harry Potter before I think maybe the last two or three books were um, written and released. Mm -hmm. And so I remember this shift in who I imagine the characters look like in my head and to now the actors that I see on screen and mm -hmm. trying to remember what I did picture before. Now I will say the Harry, the Harry Potter, the, the movie series is a very, very good example of adaptation because the look of things were very, very similar of how you imagine or how they're described in the book. So that yeah. was on point. But, you know, there's there's just different things of how you imagine how people look or or certain small things that I feel like were kind of forgotten as this, the movies became popular. As I started reading the later books, now I'm replacing my image of Harry Potter with Daniel Radcliffe. Mm -hmm. or, and that I don't like because I, I, I like having you know my imagination kind of untainted <laughs> yeah. um so yeah. i do definitely prefer if i have a chance to read the books before seeing mm -hmm. the movie um and also because a lot of times the movie or shows aren't aren't good represent like they aren't the best adaptations and so they don't really encourage me to read the book <laughs> after because yeah. you already know what's happened yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. And that's part of, to me, that's the part of um, reading that appeals to me is the anticipation of how things unfold. So if I already know what happens, mm -hmm. then it's kind of like, what's the point? What's the point of reading the book just to get all the like little bits and pieces in between that they missed in the movie? <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. It's, yeah. it's so funny how that works. Like, and I'm also thinking, though, nowadays, since everything, literally everything is online now, yeah, I don't know if the future generation coming up are avid readers to be able to appreciate some of these series that will ultimately come out based on these adaptations. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, because... It's almost like you get yeah. on the New York list bestseller to be able to be bought for... And then say, oh, there's a movie already about that, so I'll yeah. just watch the movie. It's like the cliff notes of <laughs> of this yeah. generation. Movies are the cliff notes um, for, you know, book reports and all that stuff. <laughs> and you're right. It's, um, you know, we've, we've discussed in older seasons of Real Snobs about trends, um within the film industry and some of the trends were reboots, remakes, um, those type of things. And to the point where we always question like what's original now. And part of this trend that has been going on probably for the past decade is really um, making um, adaptations, uh, movie adaptations from books. And I'm not saying mm -hmm. that that's unique. Cause I mean, that's been, that's happened. It's, yeah. Since you know, the dawn of. Yeah. But I think the, the, the way books sometimes okay let me back up there were there was a series of books i remember reading a couple of years ago and as i was reading it it felt like they were written with the intention of already becoming a movie see and that's that's the next thing i was going to get at i'm wondering also is it going to start tainting future yeah if it already hasn't is it going to taint future authors because 
some writers that I know now who, you know, either they're self-published or, you know, have aspirations of being published, Mm -hmm. they write for the movie or TV deal. Yeah. And so it 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 changes the tone and the the way that the story's written. It's not as descriptive in a way. It's more like, it's a lot more action instead of like a lot of internalized thoughts and stuff. A good mm-hmm. example also of an adaptation that was weird um, was the Hunger Games. So overall, the Hunger Games series was great as in the visuals and how it appealed, like how it compared to the book. My mm-hmm. problem with at least the first one was, you know, the book is written all from the the star Katniss and her voice. And mm. so and so it's basically from her perspective and it's her observations of everything. And that voice is lost in the movie because of course it's actually coming from a third, the third person point mm-hmm. of view now. And so a lot of the, the despair and the, and that she was feeling the hunger of the hunger games, like the environment that she was in, all that was completely lost for the mm-hmm. focus of the action and the overall plot. And I think that's a problem that happens when you start also writing books with the notion of becoming a movie that you start losing kind of the heart behind the story and you start focusing on just the what and how you're going to do this instead of the why and the like the character development and all the small intricacies that really make a story beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Well, Welcome. <laughs> and with All that, right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it for tonight. Um, I think that was a that was a good little short for King, Queen's Gambit. If you haven't watched it, it's on Netflix now. I think it's still probably number one for the week. So um, it's not like if you don't watch it, it's going to go away right now. But I would. Is it number one? I hope it is. I think it's still number one this week, from what I've Maybe. seen. Um, but the you crown know, if you're looking about for something. To take over, I'm telling you right now. Yeah, it drops tonight right yeah season four um and i tell you i have a lot to catch up on that so i'm I'm gonna be way behind i'm just gonna say <laughs> i know you're so excited before we go jillian okay. anderson can do no wrong guys that is my bitch like get her get her all the awards now her margaret thatcher <laughs> is really really <laughs> commendable i'm i'm really happy for her and what she's been able to do and what Netflix has been able to do for her and her career because she was giving us what we needed every episode of X-Files for years, for years. And And did you see the um, other show she's on? I think it's on Netflix, Sex Education. Absolutely. I loved her in that. I loved her. That was a very different uh, character for her, but I loved it. she it. He yeah. kills it. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. At, give give Jillian Anderson her flowers right now. Give her more roles. Give her everything. I love her. She's great. That's all I have to say. I had nothing to do with Queen's Gambit, but she's on Netflix. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, let's, uh, no, it's, it's not related it, at all. Whatsoever. So <laughs> I'm trying to tie it together. Nope. <laughs> but with that said, you know, there's plenty on Netflix to watch, especially as we're still hunkering down and probably going to be doing even more so within the next, the holiday season. So instead of going out and having parties and all that, sit and watch Netflix. Yes. Stay home. Stay home, guys. Be Be safe. safe. (laughs)
<laughs> Yay. It was. I bid you adieu, my friend. You too, honey. Good night. <laughs>